Welcome back, everybody. It's Jason and Bo once again with the next Parked and Turn 1 episode. We had a crazy weekend in Sepang, and I'm ready to get down and talk about it. What's going on, Bo? How are you this evening? Hey, Jason. Not too much. Uh, yeah, again, a great weekend. Uh, this championship is... Um, Man, it's 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 a lot of fun right now. Um, I hate man. the fact that we're so close to being over, but uh, man, it's worth it. And I think the off season's gonna fly by. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I, I mean, it never flies by. Honestly, <laughs> it doesn't. It just takes forever. It's the longest two months of my life. Three months, whatever it is, before the practices start, and then it just never comes early enough. But this 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 year in particular this season has had so much drama throughout all the classes and i mean this weekend was no exception i mean we saw first time winners we crowned a world champion we saw a return to 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 prominence i mean it was it had it all and in between all that had some really aggressive close racing and uh i i mean it was awesome i mean i i I thoroughly enjoyed watching it uh, from my hotel bed in Toronto. That's where I, I was watching it on the TV in Toronto. Uh, and uh, I, man, what a weekend. So give me your thoughts overall. What did you think? Uh, I really can't say anything but to echo that, honestly. I mean, it was it was a ton of fun. Um, yeah. And just, you know, obviously I wasn't in Canada this weekend, so I was sitting at home uh-huh. on the couch and, and enjoying it as well and, and catching up on everything as, as uh, races came through. But, but yeah, I mean, um, it, I have to echo everything you said. It, just a lot of, you know, really close racing in the premier class. Um, uh, the intermediate class, obviously, you know, if we crown a new world, world champion, like you said, but then also, you know, maybe uh, a rider's really starting to come into his own there. We've seen it the last couple rounds um, in the second half of the season. And then, you know, again, in uh, in the uh, Moto3 class, um, uh, another great race, a uh, little bit of drama, but um, actually a lot of bit of drama, actually, you know, across the field, across the entire pack. But uh yeah, just a, just a, a lot of lot of fun, um, and and I'm I think that you know as as exciting as the championships really starting to build and building suspense and and getting ready to climax in Qatar and and uh, Valencia, uh, I I'm s- just as excited about 2024 already um, to kind of see everything that's going to shake out uh, with riders, new teams. Uh, new bikes. Uh, I'm 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 already just anxious to get into 2024 uh, to see what's going to happen next year. Well, I agree with you. I'm the same. Um, you know, but I I so I, I've I've been surprised, like I really surprised on a couple of things this year, and and one of those things uh, was the lack of performance from a guy like Fermin Aldegir first half of the season. Like, I, I remember reading an article when he was coming into the MotoGP paddock in Moto2. And they, the Spanish press was super high on this guy. They were mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy's the next great one. He's got all this talent. He's going to do this. He will be challenging Marquez in a few years. I mean, on and on and on. I mean, he, and he had had a really impressive career 
on the national circuit, right? Like he had done really well uh, in the lower ranks. Uh, and, and so that, I think some of that hype was justified, but when he got to Moto2, mm-hmm. it was just, he was okay. And then we saw some flashes of it last year, right? We saw the flashes of it in the, like, the second race, but he crashed out after making contact with Vietti, a second or third race. Which one was that? Uh, it was in, Argentina. Uh, Argentina, so, right? Yeah, second third race, race, I think. Second, second race, second yeah. race. But it, the point being that, you know, after that, though, he kind of went AWOL, right? Like, there was very yeah, little yeah. for me now to gear. And then this year, I thought, okay, he's got a year under his belt. This guy's going to be a contender. He's going to do and And then, man, until a couple of races ago, I was like, is this dude even going to have a job? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, right. W- what is going on? And 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 then my immediate thought was to blame the Bosco Scura chassis, right? That's that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that is good. But I, I wanted to start with Moto Two tonight because we did crown a world champion, and I think that takes precedence. And um, we saw Pedro Costa close it out. He won the world championship, finished second in the race there to Fermin Aldeguer, who is. Like Jorge Martin the last few weeks is on another planet right now in terms of pace and just consistency, consistency. But Pedro didn't even worry about it. I don't know if he had the pace and he just didn't care or if he couldn't stay with him and didn't care. I don't know which one it was, but Pedro mm-hmm. just did what he needed to do. He finished the race in second place, locked up the championship. I think we all knew he was going to win the championship, but he locked it up and and then I took a moment to kind of – I saw the signs in his celebration, and I took a moment to kind of look at his career. And goodness, man, this guy has just had an unbelievable three years in yeah. that paddock. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's, co- yeah, it's go wild. ahead. It, Talk about it. Yeah, if you if you think about it. Three years he's been there. He, he won the Moto2 – or I'm sorry, the Moto3 World yep. Championship his first year. He then goes and wins Rookie of the Year last year – including having a femur break in training. So he didn't even start one race. And then you remember like the next three races, dude could barely walk. Yeah. You know, he was limping on crutches, whatever. He was still racing. Wins rookie of the year. It was a tough year, but he still won rookie of the year. And then this year he's a world champion. I, I, I'm just, I'm excited to see him in GP uh, with this caveat that I hope KTM can provide gas gas with a bike that is something that he can progress on. Not, yeah, yeah. We don't want to see a Honda situation is what I'm trying to talk about. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, yeah, I don't want to focus on that just yet, but I agree with you, you know, and, and the big thing is I want to, uh, I really want Pedro Costa to take to the Moto GP bike um, in, in the similar fashion that he did both Moto3 and Moto2. Um, just to, you know, I don't want to see, I almost don't even want to see that developmental year. You know, I, w- I really want to see the conversation start uh, to go to the comparisons of the Mark Marquez route, you know, and um, I, would, I want to see that talent still come out of him um, at the premier level. Um, just because it's going to make for an exciting championship uh, for next year all across the board. Um, we know what, you know, Mark Marquez looked like whenever he came on the, on the scene and uh, what, 2013, I think was his rookie year in, in MotoGP. Is that correct? 12, 12. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, I really want to, I really want to see that, that reignited 
battle across, um, you know, Peco Benyaya, uh, Jorge Martin, um, y- you know, possibly even um, uh, Franco Morbidelli stepping into a Ducati garage and Mark Marquez stepping into a, gar- a Ducati garage. Um, and, you know, Brad Bender, if there's a, if KTM makes a step forward across uh, inside the, or in the, uh, the off season, um, every thread can be pulled right now in MotoGP going into 2024, I think. And I don't think Pedro Acosta uh, being rookie is going to be a disadvantage uh, for him in the least. Uh, I really think it's he's going to be able to hit the ground running. I think KTM, like you said, is they've made a lot of progress this season. Oh, they really have. Um, you know, yeah, the they're knocking on the door. Made a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, they're knocking on the door. I know Brad Bender's struggling this year to get a win, but uh, but honestly, I, I think that that's more of the advancement that in the stranglehold that Ducati has, kind of on this this championship. Sure. Um, and the the amount of data that they've got, um, more so than than Brad, the lack of Brad Bender. Um, but no, Pedro Costa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to talk more about Fermi Aldegar just a little bit. You know, he is fourth in the championship. You know, uh, albeit 158 points back, but <laughs> right. Um, right. you know, fourth in the championship. And his teammate Alonso Lopez, who really caught our eyes last year, and we really raised our eyebrows. You know, this guy's going to be fantastic. Uh, you know, Alonso Lopez has four uh, podiums this year, but he's been nowhere. In the the second half of the season, he only one of those podiums has come since uh, uh, Silverstone. Um, yeah, you know, and, and Silverstone was even a no score. So you know, only one podium uh, since uh, since France, and right. and you know, several several no scores. And uh, I mean, to, so to me, Alonso Lopez now is kind of I'm left scratching my head a little bit. But um, you know, hopefully, Fermi Nautiger's got the bike figured out, and he's stepping into a more consistent rise. Um, and and not as much as a volatile rider, um, it, you know, as Alonso Lopez seems to be sometimes. But um, uh, no, I, I'm I'm excited to uh, uh, to possibly see even him step into a MotoGP uh, bike as well. Yeah, I mean this this end of the year form is is really doing unbelievable uh, unbelievable things for his career. You know, uh, it yeah. looks like you know it looks like he may be the choice for Mooney. VR46 if Marini does indeed go to Honda. So yep. we'll see. Um, another thing we need to mention, you know, talking about Pedro Costa and what he's done is how many points. You made, you made mention of it. He has 320 points yep. this year with two races to go. My question is what I, – I, I don't know, and I was tr- I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it. The most points in a season for Moto2. And, you know, I – I mean that is it's impressive. Yeah. It's absolutely impressive. he's only got one no score in the season. Yeah. I mean and he has 14 podiums I think is yep. what they said. Mm-hmm. Um and and I I I just uh I am just so impressed by what he's done and and, and it's easy to kind of lose sight of it because it's just his consistency is there. It's not this explosive. I'm out by 35 seconds. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just yep. It's just week after week after week, he's first, second, third. It's oh, a re- I had a terrible it, race. I'm in fifth. It's, it's a relentless just yep. consistency. Yep. Yeah, it is. And, you know, he was 12th in Argentina, had some sort of problem in the rain there, had ninth in Austria, had some sort of problem with the bike and pace. And, 
you know, he, he just said, you know, I'll just take these points. Uh, uh, you know, he just did the smart thing. He didn't throw it away. He only crashed in France. Um, he might have won that race had he not crashed. So, right. you know, I, I don't know. The guy is just amazing. The other thing in Moto2 was that American Racing put a rider on the podium, and I have never in my mind thought that I would be mad about American Racing being on the podium, but here we are, and hey. I don't care. And I get, I, I even, I don't know why, and Marcos Ramirez doesn't deserve this, but now I hate him too. And, you know, and this is how it is. And I'll tell you something, and then later in the week when they unceremoniously just cut Skinner. Yeah. So that's the pro- I'm telling yeah. you, that team is a garbage, embarrassment, dumpster fire. Well, that's, so, that's what you are. All right. So a couple of things here. And, you know, we're kind of starting tonight on Moto2, which is fine. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't do wanna, what I want. I, you know, I understand this. But, the, you know, I don't want to uh, backtrack or anything. Um, I, I can't say I disagree with you, especially on the abrupt cut of um, Rory Skinner. However, mm-hmm. I will maintain that, you know, Rory Skinner, his performance was not there. Uh, but no. I don't, uh, you know, I don't think that he, you know, he or Sean Dillon Kelly really deserved what they got throughout this season as far as no, cutting goes. Not. But with that being said, you know, we dog uh, and we really give, um, excuse me, that team a, a, a hard time is, uh, in total, right? Um, yep. we, we've given the hard, we gave them a hard time as far as the team and mechanics and skill sets go. Um, when Cambobier was in the garage and, and maybe, you know, maybe we've made, um, mention a few times about some of the business decisions that they make too, and, and what writers they bring on and things like that. But, but to me, this was completely a business decision to bring in and, and I'm going to get roasted for this, but to bring in talent. Um, I, I think the goal of the American racing team is obviously to build up Americans and to bring Americans. But I think what this decision did and, and, you know, and, and to be somewhat fair, they are bringing Joe, Joe Roberts back next year into that garage. Uh, you know, it's going to be the same team from what, two years ago, I think, or three years ago now, um, of Marcos Ramirez and Joe Roberts again. Correct. But, um, I think this was an effort to get talent in to get some results on the board to get more money from sponsors to then later start to rebuild the team and American talent back in as some of our American riders are going to start moving into the age range where they can compete again. They can kind of step back into that, that, that area. Um, the problem now with that is, you know, we have Max Toth who's been in Europe and actually has another year or has a new contract with another team now who split ties with American Racing the same time that Sean Dillon Kelly did. Um, so those two guys are probably off the table now. And those are American talents who are familiar with European tracks, familiar with the bike, um, and, and would be a hope to, to, to kind of hit the ground running again. Um, so now we have to see what's going to happen here at the grassroots level um is someone like kayla yakov going to be able to step into it is somebody somebody like uh um a tyler scott going to be able to transition um in that direction uh, i'm not sure but i but i do think that there was some at the end of the day there was some 
uh, weight that was put on this decision to bring in more money to then build later. Um, at least I, I hope that's the reason behind some of these decisions was to kind of enter a rebuilding uh, uh, phase. But yeah. I, I also am very, very cautious to give that much credit and that much forethought to someone like John Hopkins. Um, if okay, And you know where I'm coming from with that, I think. So, I, I do. You know, and I, I want to believe, I want to have faith, I want to know that the best was the, you know, that the, 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 was it the, you know, we always have the word, the best intentions at heart, you know? I, okay. All right. Now I listen to everything you just said. All right. And I strenuously object. I disagree. I, I, I will agree with you that Marcos Ramirez is a better writer than Sean Kelly. There's no, there's, you can't dispute Well, yeah, there's data. Yeah. You can't, there's no disputing it. But <clears throat> unless, something we don't know about happened. And there's nothing been coming out from the team after they got roasted about Sean Dillon Kelly doing something improper, being hard to deal with, abusing, you know, members of the team verbally, whatever. You know, I, you the man had a contract and you signed it. So stand up to your contract. But it's racing stuff. Marcos Ramirez is a better racer. I could I could get behind that, but now you have cut your second rider of the year because you made poor decision again, right? Like Roy Skinner wasn't taking to the Moto Two bike. Right. Uh, Roy right, Skinner right. is a talented rider. There's no doubt. I mean, he was great in BSB. Let him go to World Superbike. I bet you he is much much better. We'll see. But you're giving, like you said, you didn't want to, but you're giving an awful lot of credit to that clown car that is American racing. Yeah. I mean, that John Hopkins is What did I say about him before? <laughs> I, I I I've said something that was really not very nice and I I don't think I'm going to yeah, say it again. He is he is every to me he's everything that is wrong with racing. This guy was so talented that he could do everything he could possibly do to screw his life up, and he could still race at that level. Imagine the focus of a Pedro Acosta with John Hopkins. We might be talking about the greatest rider that's ever ridden. I don't know, because we will never know. He never won because he couldn't get out of his own way, right? But to be there... If you listen to his autobiography and to be there is unbelievable. But his decision-making and the team's leadership. First of all, you made point of them being OnlyFans sponsored. Right, right. Which is, is a porn website. Okay? That that immediately chips into your legitimacy. Uh, of, of course. And yeah, credibility. Your credibilities. That, yeah. Yeah. And so, so this whole thing, like I don't really care about that. But this whole thing where they're firing riders, two, both riders that started the season will not end the season with them. So what that says is Marcos Ramirez throws it up on the podium. That's great. What but happens next week when he crashes? What happens I, I know next what you're week at, when yeah. you forget to put the right, the right tire on or you can't get it 
put on in time for your guy that's starting on you know the second row or the first row or you know you know what I mean like this, yeah no, you're not wrong no. so many, you make a yeah. you make a good point you know because yeah. what that also does is that makes you volatile to the riders and the rider market so riders don't want to sign with you if they think that you're gonna they're gonna cut if you're gonna right. cut them. But why? My, my thing is, if if they were, if these guys were so bad, who's evaluating the talent to bring them over? Is it is it truly that only Akiyo can really seem to find the guys? No, that's not true. Akiyo makes some missteps as well. Look at Arenas. Arenas, you know, Albert Arenas has not done anything, but they brought him in. Well, they're I bringing mean, to Chelsea be fair, Vietti in next year. Let's find out. Yeah, I mean, I, I. I I'm not trying to put right. these guys on the same level with Io. What I'm saying is these guys have a talent evaluation problem. I would love that it was – I love that it was uh, Sean Dillon Kelly, but obviously I have to admit SDK isn't it. SDK can come back here to uh, Moto America and uh, have his dad throw water bottles at people, and we'll watch it here. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I, I just I don't I he never progressed at all I, I, and I don't I, so, understand. So I I I will disagree when it comes to a talent evaluation problem um, because okay. it, it, the we understand the purpose of American racing and the reason that they exist is they want to bring American talent back to the world. But, stage, but they're right? not doing that. Right, I understand that, no. but I don't think I, I I trust me. I understand. So it's not talent evalu- evaluation; it's talent development. And and that is done at the grassroots level. That's done here at home. You know, we can't expect Moto America um, without... Roy Skinner's not American. I understand that, but it, again, I, I don't think it's a talent, de- a talent evaluation issue. I feel that it is a lack of pipeline internally at, or, you know, at, the, at our level here in America... I think the Rory Skinner project was a Hail Mary to an extent to try to make a decision and, and try to s- throw something at the wall to see what sticks. And now I think that this this move to bring Joe Roberts back into the garage and then to bring Marcos Ramirez back in the garage, it represents somewhat of a business reset and an approach, uh, an approach reset on how talent is looked at, where it's, where it's obtained, and then how can, how can it can be moved forward again that's what i want to believe that's what i want to be the case because i want to see that team rebuild and become stronger because remember that that team had um Ikerlekawona too uh that team produced Ikerlekawona <laughs> through moto 2 and Ikerlekawona was right. a big name coming up through spain and and everybody yes. thought he was something and he he did, he he again, actually did less than for me now to gear. Again, honestly. however, on a subpar uh, machine. You know, they were riding on all, on always a year behind KTM chassis in Moto Two. Yeah, no, that I, I realize that uh, my my problem is solely based upon that you've got a you don't like rider John Hopkins. Coat. I don't like John Hopkins. I I think <laughs> until you get John Hopkins out of there. You're not no, going to do anything. No, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, and, I think and, you and definitely th- need somebody there that's got a yeah. not just a 
Well, you need somebody then that's not all about the limelight. You need somebody that there doesn't give that really doesn't care about a camera being in his face. You need somebody in there that is going to just drive the organization forward and really focus on the rider development and the team development. Sure. Well, I mean that's that just doesn't seem to be the case. To they're they're on in either to your point, it's a it's a talent availability problem, like to bring in, like there's no one that's developed enough talent. I I really hope they don't ever bring Kaylee Yakov there in American racing. I think um, she is. Uh, she at least was. It used to be in American racing, uh, uh, like affiliated with the with the organization. Well, that would have been great. But if it's going to be American racing, I need it to be Americans, rain or shine, and not yeah. you know not Roy Skinner, who I have nothing against Roy Skinner. He just hasn't had the results. I get it. But they didn't give him a whole season even. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I mean, I mean SDK got two se- it got a season and a half to show that he you he, know, did. he didn't make and he and he didn't do anything like I, yeah. I okay and the Marcos Ramirez thing has panned out since Marcos has taken over he's much better than SDK he's not even close so you know I think what Marcos and Joe Roberts will do next year provided they don't have mechanical failures repeatedly which both Skinner and SDK had this year um, as long as that gets worked out. Joe and Marcos will be in that top 10 most every week. That's where Joe is now. That's where Marcos is now. Yep. Okay. You know, they'll be there. But I, I just, I didn't think that would happen. But the truth is, like, when I saw Marcos Ramirez on there, I was kind of happy for Marcos Ramirez, a decent guy. I really was kidding. I don't hate Marcos Ramirez. But I didn't even care that it was American Racing on the podium. Like, it didn't even... If it had been SDK, if it had been Joe Roberts or Cambobier, I'd have been fired up. But. Uh, you know, I'm not even. I, I, I'm gonna. I, you know, I'll speak my. I'll speak my my confession. I really wanted Iagura to catch and pass Marcus. Yeah, Ramirez I know you did. I, I, I was really thinking did. that same thing. I was like, I know there's one dude over there that wants Iagura to catch this <laughs> fool. Um, but Iagura, you know, he had a good second half of the race, and yeah. and you know, I. I all credit to him for that. I, I, I've, I've asked some questions about Ayagura. I, I'm leaning more towards now next year, Ayagura, without hurting himself in the offseason. I, I think he'll have a strong year next year, and he needs it because he's got to either he's get deliver. out of Moto2 or go somewhere else. Yeah, he's got to deliver, I think. And I think he's yeah. only been in Moto2, what, it's his third or fourth year maybe? Yeah, correct. Um, correct. But, I mean, he, but it's time. And they yeah. they chose to keep Nakagami over him because of the in, because of the injury I think and Nakagami has done nothing to t- make them think oh this was the right choice you know what I mean yeah um, so maybe maybe next year we'll see what Ayagura can do and with a strong showing a top three finish in the championship win a couple races he'll get up, he'll get moved up uh, but let's go back to Moto three and talk about that because we saw a first time winner in Colin Byer. Uh, we've been talking about this kid for a while, uh, and he wins the race. Uh, again, Sasaki, the bridesmaid, in second. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if this Jim dude Amasia finishes third. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that dude wants this championship. No, he, he really, oh. I don't know what was happening there. But, you know, he made the comment in the post-race interview that he didn't think his teammate was going to come past him. Why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't your teammate come past That's it, man. That, that's it. That, absolutely. You know, and I completely understand I, I completely understand the idea of teamwork. If you are working together, and I honestly thought that Colin Byer did a, an amazing job all race of protecting Sasaki. 
Um, he really did. And it, whether it was directly or indirectly, it looked very direct to me that every time that he could try to put a pass on Jeremy Masia to put his bike between Sasaki and uh, and yep. and Masia, he did. Um, so, yeah. we, you know, through those goggles, I think Colin Vire did that every single lap of the race to try to protect Sasaki. But on the last lap, I think it's fair. It's fair game that, you know, if if, if Vire can put his bike, um, you know, there on the next on the second to last lap or even, you know, earlier in the race, that's on Sasaki to kind of create the gap and try to get away. You know, Sasaki's got to go out and do his job now. Um, and Vire's done you a favor lap after lap after lap. The last lap is not, there's not going to be any favors. If you're going to leave a door open, he's coming through. You know, this kid wants his first win and he got it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's, um, I, that's the truth. The truth is that, you know, you weren't fast enough. And to think that your your teammate's just going to sit back there so you can win in an individual sport when you are going so slow that he's going to get past and go, you know, he's not going to get a second place if you don't go and you yep. can't go. So what's he supposed to do? You know what I mean? And he didn't – it wasn't a close pass. It wasn't a dirty pass. It was a I clearly have more pace than you pass. Well, the pass and that he made was – it was a – and Sasaki said he didn't break as late as he could because he didn't think he was going to be. That, and that's through, stupid. You know what I mean? So that's stupid. Uh, you know, so it's, it's your fault. Yeah, you know, it's the last lap, and you also don't know what has happened behind you. You know, and yeah. So yeah, so he made a bad decision. He's but Colin Byer wins his first race. I mean, I think this kid's got Moto Three Championship contender contender written all over him next season. You agree? Yeah, he looks good, man. He really does, and he's come come along as the seasons has has progressed. Um, you know, a few no scores to start the to start the uh, start the year, but um, consistent top five finishes and the win in the last four races. So, I mean, it's it, you know it's tough to to count him out. It really is. I, I I've been surprised about this kid. Like you know, at the beginning of the year, I I really didn't know anything about him. And now, I mean, he's he's bona fide contender. Truthfully, eighteen years old, he's Dutch. He, um, he's just a good. He's a, he's a pretty big kid, I think, though for Moto Three. He might have the same problem that Anchu has well, next year. So I, I don't know because he's he's tall, but he's also his shoulders are not nearly as broad as broad. I don't think as uh, Dennis. Well, that's maybe true. Yeah, so that might help him out. But definitely a contender next year. Great rider man uh just just did a tremendous job managing that race to your point about putting his bike between masia and sasaki he did it repeatedly you know the in moto three you get shuffled back to that to the back end of that pack of five all the time and he just held it together ran a tremendous race in tough conditions it was hot out there dude yep. i mean pedro oh, costa's yeah. about throwing up after the race um but uh, you know, it, it was it was a tough race, but Colin Vire just showing. I think he's got a little more fire than Sasaki. And to your point, like, does Sasaki even want to win this championship? You know, like you know, it feel, and, I know he does, but it just feels like, man, you got to have a little bit more in you. You didn't break as late as you could because you did think your teammate would pass you. Well, that's dumb. Because what if it had not been your teammate behind you? 
Yeah, and, you know, and honestly, I, you know, the three three DNFs for Sasaki this year are really the only they're, they're the problem. They're they're what helps guys got him. You know, he has one three DNFs and then one no score, um, and that's the difference in this championship. Yeah, uh, all day yep, long. Absolutely. You know, now Massey 100%. has got two DNFs and and one no score, but that's it. You know, otherwise Sasaki, you know, I mean, it's he's been on the podium what nine times I think so far this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's he's. Which Sasaki's is impressive, not had for, a bad season. and that's impressive for Moto Three. You know, we know how yeah, volatile absolutely. these races are. Yep. Well, I, I, you know, we saw a uh, in the middle of that race, we saw a huge high side from David Alonso, which took out a few riders, including the luckless Danny Hilgado. Somebody right. get that guy a shaman, like <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Like, I mean, it started boots. out if great got, this year, if, but if, if he's wearing lucky that guy boots, walked under a bunch of ladders. Yeah. <laughs> he's, Ever since Aston, he has just been. I think he lives under a ladder. Like I don't know what's happening there, but he is. He is luckless, and luckily everybody was okay, you know. But gosh, what a high side, you know. And and you never like to see bikes piling up. That's what people get really, really hurt. Yeah. But what else did you see in the Moto Three race that you wanted to bring up? Um, you know, unfortunate day for Dennison Chu. Um, I really think that Dennison Chu, if um. I, I I think the outcome of this race would have been different had the crash. Well, I mean, obviously it would have been different, but it would have been would have been a lot different as far as the top the podium finishers if uh, Rueda had not gone into the back of Anchu, um in the last corner. So uh, it, it kind of could have, would have, should have. I'm left wondering what it might have looked like, um, but I, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, Rueda made a. A bad choice and he lost the front there took them both out but in the end you know that's racing sometimes i don't think he i think he was a little out of control honestly but um you know what are you gonna do right like i you know i, I he he was just trying to do his best um but in the end, he took them all out, and, and that's what it is. But, you know, I, I was really surprised that Masia didn't win this race after being so far and so much faster than everybody in qualifying. Like, I, that just shows you what it does when you rough somebody up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, this is perfect example. And this is why I was yelling for the, if the, you want to win this championship, you better rough Martine up. Because if you let him get out front, forget about it. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it, it. that's what happened. But, you know, moving to MotoGP, my goodness, man. The beast is back. Anea Bastianini wins that race. Alex Marquez had a great weekend. And we're talking about the feature-length race. We'll talk about the sprint. But Alex Marquez had a great weekend, finishing second. And Francesco Bagnaia, he finishes third in the feature-length race. After uh, a couple of tough corners with uh, Martin there, when Martin tried to pass him for third, and I immediately thought in that race, I was like, "This dude isn't scared. He is going to go. He's not going to be afraid to, you know, to to fight to retain this championship." And I think he had to do that. I really do. Uh, what did you see? What did you think about the future uh, length race? More of the same, honestly. Uh, I mean it. 
I was shocked that uh, Bastianini, you know, kind of put a staple on this race and kind of and this and came out swinging as hard as he did. I really thought Alex Marquez was going to run away with the race. To be honest with you, um, I thought he was going to, you know, kind of track back Bastianini back down and then and then make the pass and just kind of start gapping him gradually and gradually as the race went on. Um, but it, no, I'm super impressed with with Anaya Bastianini this weekend coming out swinging. Um, and, you know, like we talked briefly was that, you know, the, the comments that were made that, you know, possibly Jorge Martin could be moved into that garage next year, um, you know, and it lit a fire under Bastianini, as he said. And, uh, I mean, it makes sense. You know, he knows that it's, he's not had the season that everyone expected. Um, he had a, a pretty surprising season on the satellite bike last year. That's why he got the factory seat. And I think that, you know, he's making – he used this race as a solid case um, to to say why he belongs in that garage uh, next year, and I I'm think anxious. he does belong there now. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I think we all got cheated a little bit um, to see what this championship race really could have looked like um, between yeah. these two guys. You know, we've been we've we've almost forgotten about Anaya Bastianini, but he he definitely kind of put his foot down and drew a line in the sand to say, guys, I'm still relevant. Here I am. You know, like yep. don't forget yep. about me. He, um, Absolutely. He definitely reminded us this weekend, you know, I, yeah. the other thing I, you know, about that, you know, we, we skipped over the sprint. It was pretty, it was, it was okay. But the spring, you know, <laughs> we saw Alex win, uh, Alex Marquez won, uh, and Jorge Martin finished second with Becco Bagnaia finishing third. But I thought that Enea probably showed, uh, Pecco a little respect there. Didn't pass him. He probably could have. And was like, you know what, this season for me doesn't matter. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, they came, they talked after that race, after the the sprint, and I saw them talking and smiling. And I, I, I felt like Bastianini knew I could have passed him there, but what was yeah, the point, yeah. right? Like, yeah. why risk what he's fighting for this year and my spot in the well, garage. And exactly. Everything. Again, it comes back to the, that's the olive branch, you know, back to Ducati that says, you know, I'll play a ball with you. You play ball with me. I think a little bit. So that's right. Yeah, you know, I there's always got to be a political game in these guys' minds too, that they want to go out and win. Yeah. But at the same time, they understand the big picture too. Right. Well, I look, I think for a guy like Bastianini and, and I think, you know, I thought Pecco was genuinely happy for him on Sunday when he won the race. Yeah. You know, yeah, Pecco, no, too, yeah. Pecco really congratulated him. Like, it felt genuine to me, not just uh, the platitudes of, oh, good job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, I, I, you know, Pecco's such a respectful guy, man. He, he is for, for – I think that's why we think of him as maybe not a killer. But – I, you know his his relationship with Bastianini has always been under question. Like, what's that going to be like? How's that going to work out? And while they're not fighting, it seems to work out great. <laughs> they seem to be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, that may change next year if they're both in that same red garage and they're going. Because I agree with you. I think without the injury, we might have another title contender named Bastianini. Because my goodness, man, he. He was fast, and they said that he had gotten the updated uh, thumb rear brake and yeah, had never yeah. used it before and had learned to use it in a weekend. Yeah, that's nice. And did he ever? Did he ever? Um, but I, I I was surprised about Alex Marquez. You know, his win in the sprint was his second of the year, if I'm correct, right? His second sprint win. 
Um, uh, yes, yes, that's correct. And and so he he actually you know he's healthy. Uh, he seems to be recovered from the ribs now, and he seems to be really starting to show what we all thought at the beginning of the year he might do all year. Right. And there was some there was a, a lull kind of in the middle. I don't know what was happening, but you know he looked great. So maybe he's just uh, trying to make sure his brother doesn't take all the glory next year. I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe, but. but Overall, I wonder now what happens in Qatar because Martin yeah. not only didn't get pole, he didn't win either race, and that's the first weekend for a while that that hasn't happened. Yeah, so, and, and we kind of talked about that, you know, offline a little bit too. Is it, this is the first time that uh, I think? Well, one of the first times that I can remember that Martin really had to deal with the front tire issue. I think you know, so yep, um, yep. you know, kind of Pecco kind of has to sit back and chuckle a little bit and says, "Yeah, welcome to the club now." Uh, you know, now you know what we're all talking about. But, um, you know, I I think that in a straight-up fight, right now Pecco has the advantage. Um, if, if you know, and I, and I don't want to say that um, this is a really broad stroke, so, I don't, you know, don't take it the wrong way, but I think I don't want to, I don't want to label Martin as a one-trick pony, but we have seen that, you know, if he's not out, out front commanding, the lead and just running away with the race um if he's in the middle of a fight then it's it's a little bit tougher for him to to kind of, you know he can't use that 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 trick so um, he is a rhythm rider i think yeah you know and and to that that would be what that means you know if he can get out front and get a second ahead of you it's going to be really hard to catch him save tire problems now that being you know, said you know he did catch brad bender in in thailand and you know after bender had passed him he passed him back and then went ahead on went on to win the race you know but no they I had a that, great fight in thailand for yeah, sure i think he learned a hard lesson though um in phillip island to be completely honest i think that was a tough one for him to really swallow was the fact that he was that fast had that big of a lead and just wasn't able to really manage it manage it in sure. a a long a long-term way so oh, sure he's, I, he's, I, I think that has to mess with you a little bit he's adding tools to his toolbox you know so i think he's definitely working on it um which which is great for us because it just means you know valencia honestly i think valencia is going to be an amazing race between these two guys simply because of how many passing zones are how aggressive you have to be to make those passes in valencia um, you know the the racing yeah, that we've seen there true. before. Um, it's just it's one of those tracks. It's just it lends itself just to uh, straight up dogfight races. I think. Yeah, he's. I, I look. Martin has been great. I I don't think he's scared to fight. I don't think any of that stuff. I I don't. I just think that he hasn't had to. Right. But you know when he threw that move at Pecco that first one, and then Pecco came back underneath him. That was close. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then Pecco did it, and then he went back by Pecco, and then Pecco went around the outside, and I thought, wow. I don't know that we've seen Pecco be that aggressive, um, but I I felt like it was a shot across the bow to Martins. Like, hey. Quite literally, yes. You, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. If you don't get out front, then this isn't, this gonna isn't going to be it. easy. We're yeah. going to fight for it. So you tell me what you want to do. You know what I mean, and uh, and and so, but I, you know we've talked about that before, and it seems that Pecco is really good when that's going down. You know we saw that that crazy move at Phillip Island in Miller Corner. Um, he he's not afraid. He'll mix it up, 
it just seems like he's a lot more calculated. He's just not all action yeah, all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, which is what Marquez was, right, or is. Marquez right. is going to, oh, there's an inch, I'm taking it. Oh, I blew that corner. Oh, there's another inch, I'm going to take it again. He yeah. will try to pass you in seven straight corners if he can. I, yeah, I think so, Pecco is one of those guys that he waits for you to make a mistake. And, and as soon as – or he waits to see – it, you know what I mean? If if he knows what kind of rider you are, he's just so yeah, uh, so calculated. Yeah. You know, like you said, if Man, he, is it, if he knows where yeah. he can exploit one thing, that's where he's going to wait to exploit yeah. it. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's part of the late bloomer that we've seen out of Pekka Benyai as far as you know, wait in during races as they go because you know Pekka Benyai he doesn't he doesn't he's not explosive like you said. You know, he's not an explosive rider as far as running away with races, but we have seen that he's an explosive rider when it comes to throwing moves back and forth and really being sure. aggressive. You know, that I keep remembering his first win in Aragon. Um, and just such, he would not be denied that win uh, with, you know, against Marquez. And, and it was the first time these two came together on track and in a real fight, you know, and, and it's Mark Marquez in Mark Marquez's backyard and yeah. Pekka Benyaya just has ice water in his veins, and it's it was impressive, and he's always impressive yep. to watch ride. But I don't think we've seen that kind of aggression since then, really, from him until this past weekend. Yeah, and I, it was I just in a very short spurt. You know, it wasn't a maintained all the way through two laps. You know, but uh, but what we got was a little taste, I think, and a, and what a little taste of what we might be able to see in the future, in the next two sure, races, absolutely. future. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I, I really um, I I love it. I love it. I, you know, he's kind of the 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 quiet a kid, the quiet assassin, right? Yeah, the quiet yeah. one you got to worry about. You know, Jorge Martin loves to do Instagram stuff and all that. He's uh, he loves the limelight. You know, you can tell. You he, know what's funny? Guy. My wife said that he's actually an introvert. Jorge Martin. Who is he? Yeah. Well. He likes doing stuff for the gram because if you watch his Instagram, it's all the time. Yeah. And, you know, he likes to lean and get that shoulder drag and the elbow drag. I mean, hey, listen, I can't do it. If I could do it, I'd probably be putting it on Instagram too. But, you know, but Bagnaya is, is to me, I think also a little bit. And, and you know, they have this series coming out about Bagnaya and Martin. And, you know, they were teammates at one point in Moto3 and, you know, they, they Mike Martin said in the little clip. You know, we're definitely not friends, but we respect each other a lot. And I think yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. You can't really be friends when you're going out there and trying to take food out of someone else's mouth, right? <laughs> and you can't really can't. I mean, and so, but they always they always uh, they treat each other respectfully. Always, you know, like after the races, yep. they yeah, they're cordial and good job. And 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 so, and in the media, there's no. And I, I would be very surprised to hear either of them, like, take a shot at the other one. You know, that's just – I don't think that's what they do. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, gentleman's – I mean, it's that's, almost like that's a gentleman's That's what this age of racing is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's, it's certainly nothing like the – uh, the comments that were shot back and forth between Rossi and, uh, you know, Rossi and, and Marquez or, you know, Lorenzo and Rossi, things like, you know, those days or are. Biagi and Stoner, Rossi. Stoner and Rossi. Stoner and yeah. Rossi. There's a common like, denominator. There's a common denominator here. there. But Bagnaia is his own guy. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't do that. And, um, you know, it makes for a little less much watch, must watch TV off the track, 
But on the track, I don't think he's any less of a fighter than any of those guys at all. Yeah, you know and, 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 and you know, and I think a lot of the people that are going to listen to this podcast and, and you and I, we don't watch it for the must-see drama BS. You know, we're not in it no, for the fabricated for stories, that. like the you know, yeah. like the the drive to survive stories that aren't even there as part of the the fabric. You know, to get people to watch right. it, right. we just want to go out and watch it uh, and see it happen. You know, and and we we love the racing. Um, yeah, absolutely, and, and, and look, I love I love I, I told you I'm all about this coming down to the last lap. Where yeah. we're all at your house for a sleepover, having pizza, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know what I mean, like. So uh, yeah, <laughs> and what's funny is, you know, obviously, you know that that post it was an Instagram post. Um, obviously, folks out there listening don't know, but uh, you know, sleepover, three people eating pizza, watching TV, and you know, I, I was talking to the napping snake about it, and she was she started laughing. I said, "You realize that wouldn't that couldn't happen because we would all get into an argument about contract talks and team development." <laughs> And, and of course and, and everything else and <laughs> so someone would leave mad Some, somebody's mad somebody's someone's, mad someone's gonna pout at the end of the night it's probably because, because be jason me. said f you and your only fans american <laughs> racing development you know and and i i get it but the truth is, is that this season you know unlike a lot of the marquez years where there was no question you know, uh, who was going to win. 2015 had some drama, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that, 16, 17, 18, 19, 19 was that there wasn't any, there wasn't any question after eight races. Right. (laughs) You know, it was like, okay. Um, But, you know, and and I saw some clips today of the opening race in Qatar from a few years ago between Dovey and Marquez. And yeah, man, those were, those were great moments, but, there's something about the last race of the year being where it's all up for grabs. I mean, the tension for me, like I'm nervous. Like I, I have sweaty palms. I'm not even racing. <laughs> my, my pulse rates up. Like I'm just, I'm just so eager to do it, you know, and watch it. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. I, I think we're being treated to like a, a, an appetizer of what's to come for the next few years because, you know, we we've, we've well, talked a little bit about next year. You've got yeah. Marquez on a Ducati, another Marquez. Now you got Absolutely. two Marquezes on Ducatis. Yeah. Bastianini looks like he's coming good. Martin is in great form. Bagnaia, of course, is in great form. Bezeki will have another year. Hopefully, he heals up and you know we can see more yep. of what he did this year. More Bedelli. I mean, come on, the storylines just don't stop. Absolutely, yeah. That's, there's so many they threads to stop. pull, and and anyone but, you could just go down the rabbit holes. Yeah. So oh, I, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we're Acosta gonna have to. Yeah. We're gonna have to pick like a you know next year's fantasy team. We're gonna have to say you pick one rider. You know at least one of your riders you have to pick for the entire season. That's you know that's and you have to keep him on your team no matter what all season long. You know like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it, 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 we'll have to do something. But this season has just got there's. I mean, there's so close and there's two race two weekends left. There's four races left. Um, very is I think it's going to come down to one of these guys is going to crash, and that's going to be it. That's what I think. Uh, I don't know who it's going to be, but I I hope that they don't crash. I hope that it's fighting. Like I said to you, I want it on the last lap, last corner. It comes down to the world championship. Yeah, that would yeah. be unreal. 
Also, at that point, you would have two groups of people ready to celebrate for their respective riders with these big celebrations, and one team has to go <laughs> yeah. home sad. Yeah, somebody spent too got... much money on fireworks. Yeah, <laughs> someone's so, t-shirts are getting donated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of those one of those teams' t-shirts is going down to be given away with the uh, World Health Organization. Yeah, you'll see them again. You know what I mean? They'll show up somewhere. But I, I, I think that's, that's, that's the year that this has been. But getting back to the, the weekend, I, we saw, again, some real consistency. Two top tens from Fabio De Genitonio, who I, I think is making a case to remain a, uh, a MotoGP rider. Now, it's, I think we talked about it yesterday. VR46 has made no mention of Fabio and that's really strange to me that they would go possibly if Marini leaves, which it seems to be that he's going to, to go to Repsol Honda, which yep. let's talk about that decision. Would you do that? You know, it's, it's, it's tough. I think it's, it's the offer would have to be very, um, and, and you know, we talked about it. They talked about it this weekend was that, you know, everyone, all the riders were kind of declining them because they, you know, they did. They were only offering up a one-year deal. You know, right. HRC is is protecting their assets and only, um, you know, and they want to leave themselves open for the rider market in 2025. But riders are protecting themselves as well, saying, "No, I'm not going to come ride. I know this bike's a dumpster fire. I know we're going to develop it next year, all year long. I'm not going to sacrifice my career unless you get me a two-year deal." Um, and I didn't read any contract talks. I know that that Luca Marini. I uh, think it's it's kind of like a, it's kind of done, right? Like, I mean, we're just waiting for a final confirmation. It's more, they the, say it's just a formality. Yeah, at this the, point. the yeah. contract details. So I hope that Luca Marini secured a two-year deal. Um, he did. That was one of the sticking points, yeah, according so, to the article um, I read. I mean, I think you. I think HRC, and and we've talked about this before. You know, we've we've talked about the fact that I don't know if it's such a terrible decision. Uh, because we know that HRC has an extra 12 million euro that they can pro- possibly either throw at you as a rider to bring you on board or to throw at the bike to, you know, or split the difference where they can continue to, to develop the bike. Um, I, I, I would, I would hope to, I would hope that it, that it's, it's fruitful for HRC that, you know, Luca Marini steps into that garage and starts to provide some insight and, can develop that bike into into a competitive machine we know that mark marquez is competitive on that bike for top tens when he can stay on um that's kind of the problem is with you know i think that mark marquez spends a lot of time overriding the bike um because he has to to be competitive i don't think luca marini has the, the that level of talent to consistently do that day in and day out like a mark marquez does um so hopefully the development piece is quick for HRC. I'll see, I'm curious what the test is going to look like if he's allowed to test on the uh, on the Repsol. Um, I'm sure he will. I'm and sure you know I, I think that all that Luca Marini also has to at some point I understand the move because I think he's got to step out and and I, th- I do think that he might feel that his career is right is still inside the VR46 team still part of you know he's still in the shadow of Valentino Rossi 
and that's a big shadow yeah yeah and and people might say oh well you know you're just there because he's your half brother um you know that's the the reason that you're there no it's it's not you know luca marini is an amazing talent i mean probably you know had the most consistent what year and a half um almost two years of of races um and uh you know i think it's a move that he's got he's got to try it he's young um give it a shot see what happens Hopefully you're, you know, you keep your relationships healthy across the paddock and you can step back in because somebody's going to retire. You know, Alicia Sparger is going to end up going, he's going to move away at some point. Mark Marquez is going to eventually hang it up. Um, you know, it, Brad and Jack Miller, his, his career is probably starting to, to draw in within the next couple of years. Um, so I, I think that you can, I think you can afford right now to move uh, across the paddock and then still have a home somewhere to, uh, to return to. Sure. Well, you're, you're what about right. you? I, I mean, what do you think? I think, I think there's a, there's a component to, you want to be a factory rider at some point in your career. I think that's a big deal. And with the premier team, I mean, regardless of the struggles, Repsol Honda's a premier team. Uh, that's a tough one, though, man, because if if you think you can make that bike work and someone like Mark Marquez can't, either you have been playing the greatest long con in the history of long cons or you're out of your damn mind. And I get it. Like, I, I get being a factory rider. I get Repsol Honda. You can say you were... Uh, but ask Alex Renz how it is on that Honda. Right. Ask Joan Muir, who is a world champion. Yep. And, and a world a champion, a, a, a seven-time premier class world champion in that team, in that garage, thought, I'm going to leave 12 million euro on the table and GTFO. And you're going to let... The, the thought of being a factory rider be the thing that you want to do. You know, I, I was going lo- and looking at his career. In his career, he's only not finished races um, four times in races that he started. There were a couple for, through injury I think he didn't start. But there's only been four in three years. Three of those happened... This year, that's incredibly impressive to me. Um, but you know, I'm not counting sprint races because right. I know he crashed twice in Portugal. But I, I mean, he's incredibly impressive. And I, what I, I'm afraid of when you go to a bike like the Honda, you're used to being competitive, and then all of a sudden now you're going to try to push too much to get to that top ten, and then you hurt yourself. I mean. Joan Mir cannot finish a race. It is un- so, it is incredible to there, me. Well, there's and a, I, well, I, I don't know it, why. I so I just don't. I don't. Uh, you know, I don't know. Joan Mir has only only scored points in four weekends, four weekends this year. Stefan Brottle has I scored know. points in four weekends. I know. I know. Um, but if he if he chooses to go, 
then it to me it's purely because he wants to be a factory writer at some point in his career. Well, there's there's another angle to this I don't think we're thinking about, and that's um, you know it, not only does he have uh, you know he's he's got his career and he's riding for the VR46 team. He can call up Valentino Rossi and ask him very similar questions and say, you know, because Valentino Rossi had a very uh, had had a similar move almost that he moved to uh, the du- uh, Ducati team. Uh, when you know when he went to Ducati, it, the bike was you know not in a great shape and and it was a it was a, a rocket ship in a straight line, but nobody could ride it except for Casey Stoner and you know Rossi never got a win on a Ducati. He did not. And those were the dark years, you know, and, and obviously that was something that Rossi had to had to go through. So I think that there's a wealth of knowledge that that Luca Marini probably tapped into before he made this decision and probably had a conversation to say, hey, what did this do? What do you think? You know, how did this affect you in your career? And ask all these questions. Um, and, and let's be honest, there's no one better to get that type of insight from. Um so I'm sure that he exhausted that resource. At least I hope he did. Um, oh, I'm sure he did. So, you know. And, and I'm sure Rossi supports his dream of being yeah. a factory rider. I'm sure he went to his brother and said, hey, here's a deal. It's Repsol. Yeah, I mean, come It's on. Repsol. Would you let me out? And maybe I saw a meme that maybe Rossi negotiated that he would finally get his NSR 500 from Honda, as he <laughs> claims they promised. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that was part of the deal. Listen, you can have him, but the buyout I is I get my <laughs> NSR 500. Yeah. And and so, I mean, for me, if he moves, he moves. And, and I I cannot tell you that I would do that. Um, of course, there's a number. Of course, with the two years, you're you're guaranteed. Maybe the, the VR46 deal was only one year. So there's another year you're guaranteed you know, to be paid, maybe the number was big. I, I don't know. For him, big. Yeah. It wasn't Marquez yeah, yeah. money, but, you know, he probably made a, a little less than a million dollars a year riding. And maybe Honda was like, all right, we'll give you six million euro a year. Well, you know, that's a lot. Right. That's a lot for a guy. You know, that that if you play that right, then you will never work again in your life after after that. But... What I mean, think about the story if the bike comes good and it's Luca Marini fighting for the championship out of nowhere next year on a Honda. And I mean, and he beat, he's beating Mark Marquez. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, he, he all right, do something let's else. write this movie. I, I just thought of a new movie for Hollywood. Let's write this movie, Bo. But I, I think it's a business decision on some levels, but I think it's also emotional. I think. The, the lure of being a factory rider and for a program like Repsol is there. Polis Bargro did the same thing. He, right. he did the exact same thing when he left KTM. He thought, nah, this isn't going anywhere. I get to go be at Honda. Repsol, are you kidding me? I'm going to kill it over there. Right. Well, it almost killed him. Yep. And then he came back to KTM and it almost killed him there too. And so, you know, now he steps aside and Pedro comes up. So we'll see. We'll see. That's all we can do. But I, I think in the end, uh, we saw this weekend the Yamahas did really well at Sepang. You know, Morbidelli finished seventh in that Premier League race. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, but what happens with Fabio De Genitonio? I mean, this guy's consistent top ten now. 
He's beating the pants off of Maverick Vinales. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm really starting to question, um, Miguel Oliveira. Um, you know, it's crazy. I feel the same way. And I was so sure that this guy was going to be a star this yeah. year. I was so sure of it. And that just shows you how dumb I am, Bo. <laughs> well, it, I'm just it, not it, that racing's smart. A, racing's a funny thing. You know, I mean, it, in, one injury can change quite a bit. And, um, well, and three injuries to the same shoulder <laughs> yeah, so, can really yeah, can really do a number. Yeah. We're learning, absolutely. Um, but I don't know. I think Aprilia really has some mechanical things that they've got to get figured out of the bike. Um, they don't do well me, in the hot. Yeah, it's temperamental. It's definitely a temperamental machine. Um, I expect them to do a little better in Qatar. How are you thinking? I hope so. We'll see. Well, um, I mean, the, I think yeah, I think they will. I think it'll be cooler. I think it'll be better. I, that's what I think. But, I mean, Alicia's bike caught flipping fire. Well, <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. But, um, it caught fire. Back to, the, back to the, the question, though. You know, Franco, <laughs> or, or excuse me, uh, Fabio De Genitonio, I, I really don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, Luca Marini, or excuse me, not Luca Marini, Iker Lekawona, we saw something similar whenever he knew that he wasn't going to get um, get resigned with KTM, and and I called it the Lekawona effect. You know, I call it all the time. I, re- yep. I refer to yep. it. You know, is when you're riding with no, when you're unemployed, you're you're free to you kind of freeze up all that pressure when you can really go out and perform. Um, it, but on the on the flip side of that, it also shows your the, the companies and the other teams that you know you can't perform under pressure. That if you have that pressure and you're not putting out, then um, it, you know you're not going to be able to maintain it all season long. So I really don't know. Fabio De Antonio, I, I don't want to say too little too late, but I think it's too little too late. You know, he didn't do this whenever contract talks were ongoing. And yeah. I feel like he really held his own fate in his hand, um, especially when the rumors started to fly with yeah. Mark Marquez possibly coming to Grissini. That was the opportunity that De Antonio really needed to take and put his foot down and say, no, 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 this is my bike. You know, in a very similar fashion to what Enea Bastianini did do this past weekend. Um, right. So uh, that's well, my take on it. I, I, right now, right. I think Fabio DiGiannatoni probably needs to look across at World Superbike to see if there's a yeah. home for him there and then find his try to find his way back into MotoGP. Yeah, well, you know, since India, he's gone 8th, 4th, 3rd, ninth, Top 10s. Yeah. Before that. You know, it was 13, 17, 10, 17. You know yep. what I mean? So, it I, and he was point scoring in the other races, but he wasn't consistently top 10. He, he had a 10th, 9th, 12th, 8th, 14th, 9th. I mean, it, it wasn't great, but he, it's just been a, there's been a marked step forward for him. And that's, like you said, maybe too little too late. Um, and remember, I, you know, he did interview, I think, with HRC. But the comments yep. for HRC was that the personality fit was not there. So I'm really yep. curious to understand that struggle because maybe there's a little bit more behind yeah, the curtain I don't know what that about means. Fabio DiGiannatoni right. that we don't know yeah. that could influence all these decisions. Yeah. The the last thing I want to talk about with MotoGP this weekend is we saw a wild card entry for Alvaro Bautista, the <laughs> two-time defending World Superbike champion, 
who who knows this track very well. They race it. He raced it when he was in GP, and mm-hmm. he raced it with uh, World Superbike. Um, wow, almost one minute in the feature length race, second to last. Um, does that just show you the level difference between World Superbike and MotoGP, or is there more going on there? I don't know if I want it. Well, I don't know. I was I, I, Alvaro Bautista knew that he wasn't going to go for, out for the win, right? But Alvaro, I think Alvaro Bautista probably wanted to finish a little bit better than that. Um, but I mean, you got to chuckle a little bit. You know, and also, I'm also curious what was that a GP21 or was that a 22 or possibly a 20? Was he in an old one? You mean? I, yeah, I'm curious what how old that bike actually is. I, I would imagine it was a 22, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a GP21. To be completely honest with you, really? You think they put him on? You don't think they put him on the new spec? No, he's not going to stick him on a 23. <laughs> if if Marco Bezzecchi's not going to be rolling around on a on a GP23, they're not going to stick Alvaro Batista on one. Right. Well, that's my two cents. That's your two cents. Well, you heard it here first. They yeah. put Alvaro Bautista on a 2014 Ducati. It, it, or was it maybe just the, the same Ducati that Al, uh, Valentino Rossi that's rode? The one that sto- but yeah, just with new aero? Stoner tried to, <laughs> yeah, Stoner tried to wrestle. <laughs> no, I just thought I, I expected him to at least score some points. I did, but he wasn't close. Um, but I think there is a level difference, too. I think the, the guys here are a little bit higher level. Um you know, I think I think it's probably not as much as it looks like on paper. Um, but 53 seconds, is that what it was? 53 seconds on, uh, you on know. On a Kajiba. On a race. Uh, yeah. But on a race that was how many laps? 22? 24? 20. 20. 20. So that's more than two seconds a lap. Wow. Mark Marquez beat him, and Mark Marquez crashed. You mentioned yeah, that. So, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't just beat him. He beat him by 26 seconds <laughs> with a crash. <laughs> Which means that if Mark Marquez went to World Superbike, he would win 300 races twice, in four years. <laughs> twi- yeah, twi- twice in the same weekend. Yeah, tw- four they times would give the Mark Marquez weekend. double race wins. Like, okay, you if you win by over a minute, then you get two race wins. Well, guess what? I mean, unbelievable. But, you know, I think uh, it was surprising to me to see him struggle as much as he did. But who knows what the reason was. It was hot. Uh, nobody wants to ride in that. Maybe you're right. Maybe the bike was old spec. They weren't really willing to work on it very much for him. But I feel like he tested that bike at Mizano. I'm sure they brought the bike he tested on at Mizano, and he was very close, really, to the lap times these guys were running at Mizano. But wasn't to be. Um, Simon Crafar mentioned Maverick Vinales too many times over the weekend. I remember that, but um, he does every weekend. You know, yeah, he loves Maverick. But overall, man, we talked ad nauseum about it, but the, the racing at the front is so good. It actually right. was good to see Marquez, Alex Marquez up there and Bastianini up there. And we do wonder a little bit what could have been, but 
I'm excited for these last two weekends. I think they're going to be tremendous. Um, I am glad that Qatar is going back to the front of the schedule, though. It feels weird to be in Qatar right now. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's different, right? It just feels different. Um, hopefully, and I, but I wonder if the night's going to be more chilly, less chilly, same as it is when they start the season there. You know, we'll see so if this is the see. sandy season in Qatar. Is that what yeah, you're saying? But, well, I mean, we saw rain there one year. Remember that? It was raining. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see what this temperature is going to look like because you're going from four billion degrees all the time in Sepang to you know the desert that's very hot during the day but at night yeah really cools off and and that's you know i think they're they're at 33 degrees race temperature uh celsius that's celsius for you americans out there uh 33 degrees celsius which is in the 90s it's close to 100 um and i think they're probably closer in the 60s in this next race you agree with that i think so i think it's that sounds about right yeah so It'll be interesting, but uh, what else you got for tonight, Bo? I, I we we uh, we are getting ready. We're in that time of year. We start talking about Coda, and you and I are gonna be headed out there pretty soon. Coming April, I mean, it's almost yeah. Christmas. Can you believe it? I, I cannot actually. My, you know, my wife and I, we were just talking this after just before we got on. Um, like we don't know where November went. We can't uh, can't even. Yep. You know, imagine where it went. Um, I mean, Thanksgiving's next week and Christmas right around the corner. So, yeah, we uh, <laughs> it's wild. And then before you know it, we are going to be heading out to Austin. So I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it already. Um, yeah, I <laughs> it's wild, man. Time flies. You get older, right? Yeah, I mean, it does. It just keeps the days keep ticking and uh it's crazy, but I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, you and I are getting ready. We're getting our tickets and everything for Austin, and you're locked in for Austria. I, I'm really jealous of that. I really want to do it. If I can, if it is at all possible, I'll be on the first thing smoking over there. Trust me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll but, be like the, the little girl in the dealership. You know, well, it's really nice. I wish I could get it every time you walk past your wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. have posters of Austria. I want to. I want to send you a pictures yeah. of, of the just Red send Bull me ring. some pictures. That would be cool, um, <laughs> you know, so I can wallow in self pity a good bit. That would be that would be tremendous. I'll, I'll start no, sending I, them to you now, so you can guilt trip her, and she'll be like, "Oh, right, oh, well, that'll you know just extend the misery." That's, I mean, that feels like what good friends would do. That feels like what good friends. Would I think do. that's but, uh, what you do for me is to to get. To, oh, it's one hundred percent what I do for you. <laughs> I think the year before I, I actually I was, started coming to GP races with you, I got numerous texts and picture, mm-hmm. pictures all mm-hmm. day while you were at the mm-hmm. track. It was basically I just was on a Facebook Live with you all day long. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> um, Bo, I can't yeah, hear man, you. I, Stop talking. There's a bike going yeah, by. Yeah, shoot, they're going by. Isn't this awesome? <laughs> but, yeah, I, we're uh, – we're, you know, I, I've heard from a bunch of the regulars in the suite, and uh, so far everyone is in. Um, Which is what so we, we want to hear. I, Some familiar yeah, absolutely. Faces. So I think we have um, six. I have eight, ten already, you know, of the people, and I, I'm sure that the others are going to come through. We'll figure it out. But um, 
I've enjoyed it tonight, man. Are you fired up for Qatar this weekend? Are you are you chomping at the bit a little bit? I am, man. I, I it's I just love racing. I, it's it's yeah. a lot of fun. Give me so. a prediction. Give me oh, a prediction. Gosh. You, you what do you got? What you'd be Premier that guy. League. Let's you know just what? talk about feature I'm, length. Race. I'm jumping on the Bastianini bandwagon. He won. He got his first win here. I called that one out to you last night. You know, this is where he got his first win. He's got some momentum. He's he's feeling himself a little bit. So. I think Nea Bastianini is, is is my pick for the weekend. This this could be the worst possible thing for Martin, honestly. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. could be the emergence yeah. of a of a guy like Bastianini because you know Bastianini will give you no quarter. Oh yeah, if he has He's, nothing. Yeah. As as much as we talk about Pecco Benyai having ice water in his veins, I think Nea Bastianini is just as as ruthless. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know the announcers mentioned. They were like, well, he doesn't want to mess with when he was passing Martina. He doesn't want to mess with the world championship too much. He does care. not care one thing about Martina. He doesn't want to mess with his team standing yep. for Bagnaya, but he will pass Bagnaya. But I'm saying he's he will pass Martina. <laughs> he don't care what happens like, to that he, purple bike. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that, oh, I crashed and you crashed. Oh. He doesn't care. But you know, he's not going to take out. Bagnaya, that's right. not going to happen. Yeah, and and we actually saw that last year in Mizano when he had to brake check himself so that he didn't crash into Bagnaya, um, but he almost did. But you know, I I think I think it's the worst thing that could happen for a guy like Martin, who's like he's going to be following again. So does the front tire pressure thing start messing with you? I don't know. You know, well, he could be following and, again. We don't know. You know? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, that's it. And, and but with another player in the mix who has nothing to lose, and hey, Alex Marquez, what if he shows up again? Oh, I would. If I'm Martine or Bagnaya right now, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> this is gonna be a nightmare. You know, I gotta get out front and just try to win. Yep. Um, but it's not gonna be easy because those two are gonna be, you know, they're gonna throw everything at it. So. You know, they, they don't care if they win or if they throw it in the gravel. I think it doesn't matter at this point. They're just trying to get wins, right? Yep. So that's what it is. But, yeah, so I guess I guess a good place to end this evening. You know, we got, uh, we got a lot in. We got, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm stoked for the weekend. No, who's oh, your my pick? pick for the weekend. Yeah. Oh, God, you took my Bastianini pick. I was going to be <laughs> cool with that one. Um, you know what? Honestly, I, I, I actually think – uh, I'll go. I'll go dark horse too. I'll go. Uh, I'm gonna go Marco Bezecchi. I'm gonna go Bezecchi. Okay. I think that's who's gonna win it. Um, you know, another week healed on the collarbone, which will be nice. Uh, not so hot. Um, so I think that's who I got. But yeah, man, it's a it's gonna be a good rate, great race, and I'm I'm excited to do it. But uh, you got anything else for the evening? No, man. I think that's just about it. I'm cool. uh, ready to wrap it. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, guys, if you're out there riding this weekend, I know uh, STT is going to be out at CMP and uh, some other orgs or some other way are finishing up the season. Hey, keep that shiny side up, that rubber side down. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, saying good night, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one, guys.